Welcome to Keeping Score. I'm Rick Haro. Each week we bring you insights from the playmakers, dealmakers, and rule makers in the world of sports. I'll give you my take on some of the items of the week using my 30 years of experience doing deals for teams, leagues, and players in the $750 billion business of sports. Plus, we'll talk with a central figure in the sports world. The views expressed in this podcast are my own and do not represent the views of Reuters. Let's get started. That time of year again, ladies and gentlemen, for the next six weeks, five weeks, all you've got, we're going bowling. And we're going bowling with the top four teams playing for the national championship. And there are 41 bowls uh, with 78 teams. This year, 82 eligible, 78 made it, four unhappy. That doesn't matter. We're going bowling again. And to analyze the extent of the bowling is our digital editor for Reuters, Dan Colarusso. So happy to have you here talking about college football at its finest. College football at its finest. That's a loaded, loaded phrase, huh? Uh, glad to see Urban yeah. Meyer is uh, working on his next job already. And Urban Meyer is, a, is a, uh, just an interesting person who's in the news. There are parts of college football that are quaint and delicious and folksy and interesting and and just that we can sit back and enjoy. And I think that's what you bring to us this week in your interview, right? Yeah, well, we'll talk about that one in a minute. But we got three different levels. Level one is the uh, college football national championship. Uh, four teams in uh, Ohio State, maybe UCF um, out. Everybody complaining. Uh, do we get eight teams? Do we get 12 teams college football? You know, one of the things I found interesting at the national championship playoff level is that the number of teams in depends on the number of, 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 of college football alums who claim that their team is, is, is worthy. Is it six teams? Is it eight? We all understand, right, that it has nothing to do with that. It depends on a complicated contract arrangement with sponsors, with television. And uh, personally, I think they're going to be six down the road, maybe eight, but it doesn't happen because UCF this year was undefeated. It's so much more complicated than that. What's your take on the playoff? Do we have enough teams? Do we, we going to, we going to go to eight? We going to go to six. What's your story? Look, I, I think, you know, the playoffs were an you know, attempt to end this kind of discussion and controversy and debate. Although maybe they like it. Maybe, maybe it's, it's all good in that it keeps the conversation going. It keeps it relevant. It keeps points of provocation both for news, for social media, for the schools themselves. It keeps some friction in there. So I don't think you're going to see it expand unless there's they figure out another layer of monetization in there somewhere. Um, so I, I think you're likely to see it kind of stick where it is. Yeah, that's the first level. Second level is those other 38 bowl games, which may or may not be less important because of the semifinals and the finals. So the Bad Boy Mowers Gasparilla Bowl, it's really a thing. The Serve Pro, Pro First Responder Bowl, the Academy Sports and Outdoors Texas Bowl, how about all that? And the Cheez-It Bowl. We can't forget that. All What's the first one? Go back spots. to the first one you said. I'm sorry. Go to the, back to the first one you said. Yeah, the Bad Boy Mowers Gasparilla Bowl. The Don't Bad you... Boy. Okay. Let me ask a question. How big is that, is that midfield logo? Does that go from like the 20-yard line to the 20-yard line? Yeah, it's going to be. That must be the largest midfield logo in bowl history. It's certainly the largest midfield logo for a lawnmower company in the history of the bowl. Which is appropriate. Yeah. Do they, is it played on turf or natural grass? They, 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 they play, ironically, they play on natural grass, which is really important. And by the way, one of the reasons why that sponsorship is really important this year is because they move it from the St. Petersburg uh, Thunderdome slash Tropicana Field, which of course is artificial, to Raymond James Stadium, which of course is natural grass. How about that irony? 
it's appropriate, though. Yeah, it shows it's college football is getting it together. How about the Cheez It Bowl? Are you going to be watching the Cheez It Bowl? You know where that is? It's in Phoenix. Um, Wisconsin. Yeah. <laughs> It should be in Wisconsin. That's very good. But it is in Phoenix. It is the second bowl there. It's not at State Farm Stadium. And by the way, the one at State Farm Stadium, which is interesting, is the PlayStation Fiesta Bowl. Did you know what they used to be? Uh, no. No. It used to be the Sunkiss Bowl, then uh, IBM okay. Bowl, then the Tostitos Fiesta hey, Bowl. Hey, hey, there's, you know, uh, I will not paraphrase P.T. Barnum. But as long as these sponsors keep stepping up, you know, if you're a bowl organization, you know, take the money. Yeah. And by the way, I mean, look, there, there's an appetite. You know, we talk about this and, and you can get let's get I think we should get to the interview. But the idea that, you know, there's always an audience and college football has a unique perspective, a unique way and unique methods of of building and finding the tribe that's going to make these things financially worthwhile you know, is really the important point here, right? Always an audience, my friend. And if you tie in the avid alums and, and you know, frankly, ESPN, and the fact that for those three hours, nobody else is watching anything except that particular bowl game, you've got a recipe. And, by the way, what about other alums? Uh, do you know what the nickname of Tufts University football team is? The Scaramucci's? Yeah, of course it is. Right. No. Because that's where he went. (laughs) Good idea. Right. The the Tufts Jumbos, as opposed to the Trinity Bantams and the Anverse Mammoths and all of them. Now, who are they? They comprise the New England Small College Athletic Conference. And yeah, they're important. Those are the groups of Bowdoin and other schools founded in 1971. They're playing in their 96th year. They are as big as everybody else to those schools. Don Shields, the voice of the New England Sports Network, has something to say. Let's hear from Don now. Welcome back here to Whittier Field. It's 17-7 in favor of Amherst at the half as uh, Amherst getting uh, a touchdown late in the first quarter on a 22-yard hickey run and then uh, a field goal from Ferrero and a completion from Ebert to Barry. That was uh, in between a Bo Millet five-yard reception from McCrum. Bowden early in the game had an opportunity. They were first in goal at the one, but on the fourth down play, they fumbled the ball. Amherst recovered it at the uh, 21-yard line, and uh, that really is one of the big, big plays in this first half. This is the 127th season, which is incredible. The 96th Amherst-Bowden rivalry what is it about New England football and especially this conference that sparks the passion? Well, you know, one thing about this conference, I, I think that this conference really has great talent in all the sports because uh, uh, of the NESCAC being such a high academic quality conference. It's it's kind of um, the, the, I don't know if you want to say the smaller version of the Ivies, but in the Northeast, I mean, you've got that type of reputation for all these schools. And so I, I think a lot of times kids who will come to these schools want that great economic, uh, pardon me, the great academic challenge and still want to play sports but maybe don't want to do it at the D1 or D2 level. So they look at an ESCAC school and say, this is a great place for me to go play, and it really works well for them, uh, knowing that you know there's such a small percentage of players who are going to go on professionally anyway, even at the D1 level. Well, you understate it. And, you know, the one thing that, that my listeners ought to focus on is that the conference was formed in 71, clearly, but you've got 27 conference championships. You've got 13 for men, 14 for women. You've got 7,500 opportunities for 
involvement. You had 72 teams in NCAA team championships. So this is not just a football conference with some schools that, by the way, have some great nicknames. So I'm going to find the concession stand and get the Colby Mules, the Bates Bobcats, the Tough Jumbos. By the way, the Amber's Mammoths today are playing the Bowdoin Polar Bears in case anybody wants to know. So there is a merchandising and revenue gold mine here. Oh, the there's no question about it. I mean, uh, you know, there's always always a need for those uh, T-shirts and hats. And, and, you know, when you take talk about these two schools, it, it may not be the football field, but last year in the national championship in Division Three women's college basketball, these were the two schools that, that played each other. And, and by far, they both were the uh, uh, cream of the crop in uh, Division Three women's college basketball. And let's remember this as well, and you said it, and I would emphasize it for, for folks that maybe don't know this conference, is that – you know, Williams and, and Amherst and, and, and Bowden and Bates uh, and, and Colby, uh, Wesleyan, you don't just get toughs. You don't just get in by snapping your fingers. These, no. are, these are exciting academic schools, and you're absolutely right. Division One Ivy League doesn't have scholarships, nor do you, but if you want this kind of education and high-energy uh, athletics, there's nothing better than here and then today. And by the way, you guys are great because, what is it, Whittier Field? was built in 1904 that was just a kind of about where football started you spent four and a half million on this first phase of renovation you name everything you, you're the first your first school that i've seen where you actually name a grandstand who is hubbard uh, you're gonna have to <laughs> someone who's been here longer than i have been <laughs> there's like the whittier field everybody knows whittier but hubbard grandstand you know the field's gonna be named everything's gonna be named well you, you know, guys are cool you but guys are but cool. but that really isn't that the that's the 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 way of the time. I mean, yeah. we used to ballparks were named or, or arenas were named after wherever their location was. And now it's, you know, banks and insurance companies and tech companies are all, you know, looking for that sponsorship because they know that, you know, broadcasters are going to say that uh, location several times and the same thing for the writers and things like that. And here's one for you. So obviously uh, I was kind of kidding. I was told earlier that if you don't know who Hubbard is, you better not come in the press box because he's apparently a big deal here or and or Whittier. And both of them are really important. So all of the schools at all levels want to maximize dollars. Alaska Air just did a $41 million naming deal at Husky Stadium, Washington. University of Kentucky did. United Airlines at Southern Cal. And everybody's saying, ah, you shouldn't be doing that. Gambling, we're going to have a lot of that discussion. Alcohol, a lot of that. Division One needs dollars. Division Two, Division Three needs dollars as well. What's the next big breakthrough thing here? Do we continue to donations? Do we sell the names of fields? What do you see in your world? Uh, well, you know, because I'm not here day in, day out. Yeah. I'm more of a freelancer for, for Bowden. But, you know, one of the th things about the NESCAC uh, uh, schools as a whole, they have a really great uh, uh, base of uh, people yeah. who are part of the alumni who donate back to the school. So, I, you know, I think they take advantage of that. But, you know, you're watching uh, the smaller, the, the non-NESCAC D1s in the state trying to to tap in and, and look they do tap into the money you know colby has a, a great a, a great association with the alfond uh, fund and right. and alfond uh, is very famous in the state of maine matter of fact uh university of maine has an alfond stadium or an alfond arena colby does i believe uh, uh the university of new england has alfond so there a lot of the schools in in maine have taken alfond well, and just to add yeah. so wesleyan you guys play wesleyan and andrus field you guys play uh um uh Hamilton at Steuben Field. You guys played Middlebury at Youngman Field. I'll make you a bet that those guys wrote some checks. Oh, yeah, there's no question. Right. I mean, your, your name's not on a field if you didn't do something. I mean, you know, uh, uh, let's be honest about it. In, in Major League Baseball, 
Wrigley Field is because, yeah. you know, Wrigley had a right. lot of chewing gum yes, and he, he had did. some money to and spend. some money, too. <laughs> so. Chewing gum and some money. That's the way it started. <laughs> Let me ask you one quick thing because I know you got to you you get a rest before the half starts. Uh, television. So the way you do your deal, it's the New England Sports Network. Tell my listeners and viewers about who they are and what they do. Well, it's a company that's uh, based out of Vermont, and uh, it actually started doing uh, Vermont-based high school and uh, colleges in that area. And then it's uh, kind of spread over the past several years. Eric Berry is one of the guys that helped uh, lead that up in Vermont. And uh, uh, I think it's this year six where they started reaching out to the NESCACs. Uh, uh, Bowden has been along for the last six years. That's where I came in on this. Colby is a part of the ne- uh, the NESCAC. And now, uh, as far as NSN uh, stations are concerned, or schools are concerned, all but Tufts are part of that. Tufts is the only one that does not have an agreement. And of course, they're in Boston, and I think there's all uh, types of things that when you have the bigger market like that, 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 that plays into it. So they have found a niche, and it's really not a commercial-driven thing. It's more of an alumni-driven thing where uh, the, the broadcasts are, are paid for by the school. That's why there's so very few uh, commercials. There's a uh, I think we ran a 60-second commercial that yeah. promoted Bowden. Right. <laughs> you know, yeah. so there's not the traditional. I mean, I, I, I work in my real life for a, a local radio station who does high school sports, and we're looking for those local sponsors who want to promote the, their business in those broadcasts, and we don't do that here. Your pipes working at a local radio station, that's a shocker. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, yeah that, that's, that's great. But, but on, on the television side, I just it is interesting because even at the different levels, I uh, the, the NBC podcast we do, and then at the NFL, everybody's now dumping on the fact that the television ratings are down and that football is therefore um, in trouble. Well, it's not the television ratings. It's what people are watching or what people are listening to. And you have the same number of eyeballs. They're just watching devices. They're listening to devices. I guess from your perspective, you see that too, don't you? Right, right. and there's, and there's so many more uh, options available for them. That's why, you know, radio stations are streaming broadcast and, uh, uh, you know, TV. I mean, this really, yes, it's TV, but it's not TV. It was started out as a webcast on a computer, and now well, through Roku, you've got a, a, an app there, and you can punch it up, and you can watch it on your, you know, you can watch this broadcast on your, your big screen TV in the luxury of your, uh, you know, uh, uh, living room or the game room or whatever it is. And, and really what you're, what the whole NSN idea is, it's not really for the local, you know, viewers. If you live in the Brunswick, Maine area, you're at yeah. this game, you're here. It's for those uh, members from the uh, families who can't get here, alumni who want to keep in touch with Bowdoin Polar Bear football, and they're able to do that by watching this NSN broadcast. And I, another thing that I noticed is that you all, and the conference does, but you especially recruit nationally. I noticed a lot of the kids, some obviously the New England area, a lot of others will come because they like the academics and they'll travel and they'll do this here. And I guess the the, the, the webcam and the broadcast is just another way to get this out mm-hmm. nationally to people. That that That's an advertising tool, whether anyone believes it or not, that, uh, you know, if you can say, hey, all your games are going to be seen. And I know I, I drop down and do soccer and volleyball, and it always uh, I have probably more interaction with parents in those games than I do this football because of just where we sit for football. But in soccer and, and volleyball, when I do those games, I always have a parent or two come up to me and say, hey, I'm from such and such, British Columbia, a few weeks ago at a soccer game. Hey, I'm from British Columbia, and I, wa- I love watching watching the games o- online. So uh, I guess from my perspective, and then we'll, we'll, we'll let you get a, a, little, <laughs> a little bit of rest, uh, don't hold a bake sale for this conference and don't hold a bake sale for – 
for Bowdoin Athletics. They've done tremendously over the last few years in ice hockey and volleyball and men's tennis everywhere, basketball as well. And one of the beauties of what you do is you are able to get an inspired alumni network all across this conference to generate some support and economics and this network is really important. It's not going away, and it's very stable. Yeah, and then the other thing we have to remember, and, and you know, it's been uh, you know told to us, remember that every every school, with the exception of Tufts, is part of NSN. So yes, I am here at Bowden doing the Bowden broadcast, but I also know there are. Amherst fans watching. I just happen to have more expertise on Bowdoin than I do Amherst, but I have to kind of keep, keep reminding myself throughout the broadcast that it's you know uh, you're you're more you got to be more neutral than you are. It's hard for me because I've always been a Homer broadcaster. So. You, you sound like a Homer <laughs> broadcaster, and you should be Homer broadcaster. Don Shields, I really appreciate you giving me the time to talk to you. Learned so much about this conference and really having fun here. Well, it's a, you know this is a great place to come. It's nice to meet you, Rick, and it, it, it's a great place to come and, and watch a ball game. And uh, you know the the thing I wish I had known, you know, the beauty of coming to this uh, this football thing when my kids were small to bring them because that's the other thing. These games are free. Yeah. Well, so nobody noticed that. You know, nobody's taking tickets when they come in. They I think the only ticket they take in, in regular season is the Colby. Bowden men's hockey game. I think you need a ticket for that one. I don't think they charge you for it, but you need a ticket to get into that one. Well, ladies and gentlemen, anybody that wants to hear this, Reuters, Reuters International, NBC, anywhere, you ought to think about going to Bowden. And if you don't want to go to Bowden, go to Trinity, Wesleyan, Bates, Colby, Williams, Middlebury, Amherst, Tufts, or Hamilton. How's that? There you go. Okay. We, Thank you. We, we enjoy it. Thank you very much. Nice Thank to you, meet you. There is some perspective with all of this group of, of, of small college programs. We went up to Bowden to hear about them. Uh, uh, exclusively, uh, what's your take on on, on this whole process and, and that interview? Well, I, I think first of all, Don's a great character, and and he's probably one of a generation <laughs> who's who will you know th- that's a, a a thing that won't exist much longer you know in society, right? Um, but uh, I thought he was a great character, and but I, I think the idea is that you know the future is going to help these small schools. The way that the world is trending. And the way branding slash marketing slash media distribution is trending lends itself to these small bore, high value audiences. And, you know, he talked a little bit about the alumni around the country. Like they broadcast not for the school, not for the town, but for the the nationwide support that these guys have. And people are loyal to their colleges. You know, I will confess, 10 minutes before I came onto this podcast, I was on the Long Island University comma Brooklyn campus, you know, bookstore site looking for a new hoodie to buy, you know, a new LIU. I'm an alum and that's my, you know, that's my school. And we all feel that kinship to to our schools. Right. Um, And I think the fact that that now is a part of people's identity that they can buy into and engage with no matter what they are. um, I, I think there's there's a lane there for these smaller schools to make this, you know, at least commercially break even and viable. Um, in addition to being accretive to the value of the school's footprint overall. Yeah, and one of the things that uh, Don didn't emphasize, but we're emphasizing, is that these are schools that are more national recruiting and national uh, career-based than a lot of other schools. So you're right. When the NESCAC and the Northeast Sports Network is the uh, future, it's funded largely by universities who want to get the word out 
not necessarily content for people who just want to see good football and have no kinship to their schools. And as you said, that may be the future for how small colleges and for that matter, how athletic programs at other bigger schools get their mark. And it's a good mark. Right. You, you know, you know, what's also interesting, Rick, you mentioned these schools and yes, they're small, but, you know, they have that thing about them um, where they're affluent student bodies. They're private schools. They're small. So there's people who want to go. There is competition to get into them. There's this really there's this high net worth. If you were using a marketing or Wall Street term, there's this high net worth feel about them, even if their football players might not be mistaken for, you know, nightclub bouncers. They are there's a there's a thing about them. Right. And and I, I think that kind of packaging and that niche um, kind of marketing can really go a long way, like you said, and it benefits the national footprint that these very small schools are able to are able to have. So the bottom line is, if you're Oklahoma, Alabama, Clemson, Notre Dame, that's great. But if you're Bowden, Bates, Colby, Amherst, uh, feel comfortable because you've got media relationships too. Rick Carl, speak with you soon. Thanks for listening to this edition of Keeping Score. Our producer Alex Cohen, associate producer Freddie Joyner. Assistance provided by Carlos Swadek, Tanner Simpkins, Jesse Leeds, and Jamie Swimmer. And the executive editor of Reuters Digital, Dan Calaruso. I'm Ricaro. Thanks again for listening. See you next time on Keeping Score.